Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode is sponsored by Mahler Bros Golf. We all want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Mahler Bros Golf signature polos. Mahler Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those that want a subtle and sleek looking design. They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience better. Use code BELLYUP at MahlerBros.com for 15% off. You know when you're golfing, the sun's beating down, and you want to take your shirt off because of the heat? These polos almost feel like you aren't wearing one at all. Are your polos getting outdated and dingy? Time to get new ones that will make you stand out on the course. You need Mahler Bros Golf Signature Polos. Their polos are a comfortable, slim fit that will make you look and feel good when you're golfing with the boys. It can be tough to get the perfect golf polo, but Mahler Bros provides a product that looks great, fits great, and is effective when that sun is beaten down. You can also grab these perfect polos at the Belly Up t-shirts collection by going to maulerbros.com backslash bellyup. Mahler Bros doesn't only have polos, they have really fun golf t-shirts that you can wear anywhere. Maybe like that family get-together. Maybe a date. Who knows, maybe even at a college basketball game where you're witnessing the theater. Make sure to let them know where you got that shirt and wear it proudly. Don't wait to try out your new favorite golf apparel. Upgrade your golf attire with Mahler Bros. Get 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. That's spelled M-A-H-L-E-R-B-R-O-S. Dot com. Again, 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. Turn heads on the course or wherever you wear Mahler Bros polos. Mahler Bros Golf. Look good, feel good, and of course, feel good, play good. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me, Taylor Dammel. First episode of the offseason, and we're back at it with an awesome interview that we will uh, reveal on the other side of this intro, we're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day is Dominique Cheek, former guard for Villanova, former St. Anthony's man as well, Jersey City. Just continuing to give my props, I guess, to the Hurleys, the entire Hurley family. But Dominique Cheek, former guard for Nova, he is your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB Theater to find out where the feet is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. 
A week removed, a little bit more than a week removed from UConn winning the national title. We are here in off-season mode. Uh, the NBA playoffs have started, or the plan at least. But man, what an awesome interview we got upcoming for you, UMass fans. We're back. We we are trying to outdo ourselves at this point, Taylor, as it relates to UMass. We had Frank Martin on last year, and then this year we got transfer coming in, Josh Cohen. Taylor, that was a blast, wasn't it? What a good interview. Um, as I have said previously, you continue to find great people in the college basketball world to pick their brains about the sport that we are so interested in. But what I liked about this interview, and in, in particular the person that we interviewed here, is this is very, uh, very good opportunity to, to really get out of the head of a name that a lot of people will probably, that are unaware of now, are probably going to be pretty aware of this name, you know, less than a year from from today i mean i do that was the nec player of the year 10th in the country in scoring this last year and i can't imagine we talk about it a little bit on the interview but i can't imagine his role is going to get any less uh here um at umass i think this is a future uh, real household name in college sports that that we got to interview t- uh here today and I, I i'm really looking forward to to watch the rest of the world learn what we i guess already know now so first and foremost, I want to thank you for uh, giving me credit for booking Josh, but I cannot take any of it. This is actually going to great theater goer, great friend of the program, great supporter, Rob Moran, a UMass man himself and a UMass diehard. I actually reached out to him hoping he could join and chat it up with uh, Josh. I feel like chatted up, by the way, is now my phrase, my go-to phrase. I've said that three times. Uh, or you'll hear me in the interview upcoming. But shout out to Rob Moran because he's hot on the UMass message boards and also UMass Twitter. And Josh Cohen actually basically dropped a tweet saying, hey, I'm transferring to UMass. I want to reach out and in- integrate myself and interact with every single Minuteman fan. And so Rob Moran told me, hey, DM him. And so I did. And we were able to get Josh on. So all the credit in the world goes to Rob Moran, UMass Minuteman. Um, but to your point about him being a household name next year, we might need to start calling this the Sule Boom Award, Taylor. Because if you reckon back to last year, David Miller, Xavier assistant, basically said, we have this guy Sule Boom coming in. And I, I want him to be a household name you know, come late February, March. And boy, was he. Everyone knew who the hell Sule Boom was. Uh, it didn't even take that long, by the way. I think it took until early December, mid-December, for Sule Boom to become a huge name. Josh Cohen, is he our clubhouse leader for the Sule Boom Award? Oh, has to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I Considering we're one episode into the new year, so to speak. Yes, for sure. But no, just I bet you there's not a lot of other people we can find that are going to have an opportunity to grow their you know, notoriety, let's call it, uh, as much as Josh Cohen is going to to this year. I think that's very well said, Taylor. Not much more else we want to say, though. Let's go ahead and get to this interview with the latest and greatest UMass Minuteman, 
Josh Cohen. All right, we now welcome to the program the latest and greatest UMass Minuteman, one of the best transfers in the portal, a 6'10 forward from Lincroft, New Jersey. We got Josh Cohen joining us today. Josh, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for making the time. Guys, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been, uh, like I told you guys before the show, it's been a crazy week, but uh, yeah, it's going great. Life's great right now. Tell us about getting your bearings in Amherst. Are you there right now where you're chatting with us? Tell us what this process has been like. No, I'm actually still in Loretto, Pennsylvania. I'm finishing out my degree, and then I will be going to UMass early in the summer. So I uh, I went out there a couple of weeks ago, uh, took a visit. It was an amazing visit. Um, and, you know, now i got to start finding where I'm going to live. So what was the kind of the – recruitment i guess process like you know when you get into the portal did it remind you a lot of your previous recruitment before you went to college is it completely different now because the landscape of college basketball has changed so much just in the last four years since since you've been in college what were like you know what were some of the same things about being recruited at you know as being in the transfer portal and what was different about that uh, it was completely different i i only had two division one offers my going into my senior year, along with one Division Two offer, so the two Division One offers were in the same conference, and the one Division Two offer was pretty far away from my house. So um, it was like, you know, I really didn't have a tough decision uh, in high school. But you know, the transfer portal is—I I was also—I really have a lot of people to thank. Like there was so many unbelievable coaches I got to talk to, and so many great people that I, I got to converse with, but. Um, yeah, it was, it's like the, to, to sum it up in a little bit, it's like the wild west. Um, you're getting calls from every single conference. Um, everybody's trying to figure out what, what your plan is, uh, what style of play you want to play in. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I was on the phone for like three or four weeks, nonstop, 9am to 5pm. And then it just, and then at dinner time after dinner, it was, it was pretty unbelievable, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad I, I found my home. I'm curious to know, Josh, please help me better understand. Treat me like an infant here, like you're explaining to a five-year-old or something. How does one initiate the transfer process uh, or the transfer portal process, right? Like I'm, I'm thinking to myself, when you internally or you meet with your family and you say, hey, I want to transfer, literally what is your first step in doing that? Like who needs to help you do that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's, you could either make it a complicated process or it could be very uncomplicated. Um, first thing I did was once my season had ended, I talked to my family. Um, we had a great talk. Um, they kind of they backed my decision uh, whenever I did, whatever I chose to do. And then I went to Coach Krimmel, um the day or two days after, and I let him know like right in the morning um, what I intended on doing. Um, and I didn't do it right away. Um, I didn't go to the portal right away because I wanted to talk to my whole coaching staff. I wanted to talk to all of them and just because of the amount of support they've given me over the last four years, I, I thought they would, um, they deserved the first shot um, at me. And we had, we had great talks. Um, you know, I, I, I really was blessed to have an amazing coach staff in Loretto. Um, we had a great talk and everything. And you know, at the end of the day, my, my views were just a little bit different than theirs. And um, I went down, you know, and you, you have to go to the compliance office and um, you make a formal request to, to enter the transfer portal. So that's what I had done. You know, that, that's kind of more of like the little bit of a different way, easy way. You can just call your compliance officer, say you're in the portal and you're on your way. So um, it's really a, a tale of two halves. Um, you know, it's 
it's a it's a pretty tough process because there's so much emotion wrapped up in it especially for me i guess some guys maybe not but for me i really cared about the people in loretto and cared about everybody surrounding in the area because i was so involved in the community um so it was a really tough thing for me but um you know at the end of the day you kind of have to do what you got to do i don't want to get too deep into your kind of private meetings you have with your coaches but you know or your you know now previous coaches i should say but it's you know are they disappointed are they understanding are they you know now that kind of the transfer portal rules have changed you've, you've obviously been there for you know four years you've you've kind of put your time in what's their reaction like when you when you enter the portal or kind of have that conversation with with a coaching staff yeah it really depends um you know i i have a lot of friends that enter the portal um they when i talked to them about their experience like it was much different than mine um i have a really unbelievable coaching staff like really good guys like everybody from, you know, uh, you know, the weightlifting coach to, you know, coach Krimmel at, at the top, you know, honestly are really great people. So um, there was no spite or any anger or anything from them. They, they want the best for me. So they thought that the best for me was to stay with them. And the best I had thought for me was to leave, you know, so they understood that. And they, you know, I still got a text from coach Krimmel, happy Easter, like just the kind of people they are. It's really depends on the type of situation you're in. Because you could be in a situation where you don't, you know, no one cares about you, whatever, and you say you're in the portal, and then they they take all the stuff out of your locker and throw it, you know. Um, you got to go get, you got to go and pick it up. I still have my stuff in my locker. I still talk to my coaches. You know, me and my coach, coach, every coach congratulated me after my commitment. Um, it really, like, I like to answer your question, it really depends on your situation. Well, I, I definitely think it's it speaks to your maturity and how folks view you there in Loretto and how folks are going to view you in Amherst. Why don't we pivot a little bit? We got to know, Josh, what was the conversation like with Coach Martin? Because, look, I'll be honest with you, man. When I, when I saw your tweet basically saying, hey, UMass fans, DM me, I was like, I'm going to shamelessly DM him even though I'm not a UMass guy. And I'm also going to say, yeah, we were lucky enough to chat a, chat it up with Frank Martin. Uh, can you take us inside your conversations with Coach Martin? Yeah, they were all amazing. Um, you know, he he shows a lot. He, he, like he's very strong um, character. Yes. Like he's he's um, very honest, and he's also um, he cares about the whole picture. He doesn't just care about you as a player. He cares about you as a person and. Um, that's like I had told everybody in the recruitment process that I wanted to take what I had in Loretto in small town, Loretto, Pennsylvania, where the closest Chipotle is 45 minutes away, or it's, I'm, I'm saying maybe 35 to 40 minutes away. Um, I wanted to take what I had in Loretto of just that culture and, and, and like, like a literal love for the players and people around you to a higher level. And I mean, there, I had high major coaches all throughout my house. Um, I was on visits. It's um, and the one guy that stuck out to me was was Frank Martin. Um, t- two days after I entered the portal, he was at my house. He greeted my whole family. He talked to my whole family, and he brought his whole coaching staff. And you know, we had a great talk with him. And I, I told him, "Listen, I, I'll give you a shot. I'll come there for a visit. You know, I don't know. I have, I have high major offers. It, I don't. I don't. I, I can't promise anything." And I took a visit there, and I didn't want to leave. So, um, you know, Coach Martin is the definition of just an honest guy who who wants to win a lot of games. So that's the kind of the guy I wanted to play for. 
No, Frank is the definition of a guy who is a no bullshit guy, I believe is what I would phrase it as, where it's like, no, what you see is what you get. And he's so passionate. It would be tough to turn that guy down if he was in your house to, you know, and saying, no, man, I don't really want to roll with you, Frank. That would be tough. So, yeah, I, I understand that. So what about Frank's, you know, not only his personality, a leader of men, all that type of stuff, but on the court. What was Frank selling you on the court about what your role is going to be in a UMass uniform going forward? Like you said, Frank's a no BS kind of guy. He never, he didn't walk into my house and say, listen, here's a starting job. Here's this. He said, listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity um, to play with a bunch of great guys and coaches. And, um, you know, what, what you do, what you, what I give you and what you do with it is up to you, you know, and that's kind of like my person. I love that. Like, I don't want anything to be handed to anybody. Because I've never been handed anything in basketball. I've always had to work for it. I've always been, I was a zero star recruit for my whole entire life. And I took that and, you know, I came to Loretta with no bells and whistles and no meal plans and nothing. And, um, it became the 10th leading scorer in the country. So for a guy like that to come into my home and, and be as upfront and, you know, with me as possible, like, I, that's, that's what really drew, you know, draw me to UMass, uh, really drew me to UMass. And um, also he said that I'm not going to play the same role I did is at St. Francis. I'm not going to be as much as a back to basket. Um, I'm, I'm going to be doing that, getting to that, you know, getting my back to the basket and scoring off of that. But a, a lot more of my stuff is going to be facing the basket, playing next to guys like Wildens. And we just had a seven foot four guy commit and uh, Gianni and Matt Cross, like just being able to, you know, and a bunch of other names that we have another freshman coming in, um, just being able to play next to those guys and around those guys, um, you know, to, to, you know, kind of show my whole game, not just, not just with my back to the basket, shooting hooks all day, you know? So Josh, if we go back to coach Martin, when we were able to have him come onto the podcast, that was like a genuinely a monumental moment for us because we're, we're a small grassroots sort of deal and we're able to chat it up with a final forehead coach. And I'm going to date myself here. Did you know much about coach Martin and his coaching pedigree as it related to South Carolina and Kansas state before that? Or did you know him uh, as this, as a fresh new face at UMass? Honestly, I, I did know coach Martin before um, UMass. Honestly, I had no idea he was at UMass until he called me. He was like, Hey, you know, I was like, you're UMass. You know, I knew he was there. I, I, I thought I had saw last year that he was there, but then like, you know, to actually hear him on the phone, you know, I was like, wow, like this is the dude you've watched on TV all the time. And my brother's a huge fan of him. So is my dad. So um, yeah, to answer your question. Yes. So with, uh, you know, you, you reference a couple other guys that are coming into UMass, uh, especially some of the bigs yourself included that are coming into UMass. UMass really that was one of the things that kind of lacked a little bit last year was, was some size. How do you, how attractive is it to you to have other bigs coming in where you don't have to be the only big there taking up a lot of that responsibility that, you know, there's some potential depth that's there. What to you, how attractive is that? And how do you, how do you like to play with other bigs in those type of situations? Yeah. Depth kills having guys that you can play at and you can just plug in. It's amazing because you're, as you see in the college basketball season, no guy can play 40 minutes a game for however many games to get to the national championship game and, and win it all. I mean, Adam Sonogo and Donovan, Kling, Donovan Klingen, I mean, those two dudes really shared that role. I mean, obviously it was Sonogo, Sanogo, or I kind of don't really know how to pronounce his name. But Sonogo. Sonogo. Um, those two guys being able to rotate in and out and kind of just put the hurt on people. That's what we're going to do at UMass. We're going to, play a bunch of big dudes and we're going to whack people around. So, I mean, that's, we're going to bring a f certain physicality 
to the game that you need, you know, and uh, you can't do that with just two dudes. So having a, a big rotation of that is going to be awesome. Man, you're already talking like Frank Martin. Already, you're you're five <laughs> days into this. You're already talking like Frank. So <laughs> go ahead, Soup. No, I love it. I love it. And you're actually talking like one of my buddies. I that, I might clip that, Josh, if you don't mind. I'm going to clip that out, and UMass is going to love that. Um, I want to go back a little bit to your personal journey, though. And we we talked a little bit about how you talked with Coach Martin, uh, but you also mentioned that you're considering other schools, or you were considering other schools, excuse me. I think the likes of Penn State, Micah Shrewsbury is now left for Notre Dame. I think Iowa was on your list. Todd Golden in year two, entering year two at Florida. And we look at, at where you're at now in the A-10, and then you got Penn State, Iowa in the Big Ten, and then Florida in the SEC. Those are vastly different conferences. Josh, can you take us through your mind? I think a lot of people would be really intrigued to know what your thought process was as it related to conferences uh, when you were making your decision-making process. You know, that's, that's, that's a great question because I, like, I didn't even release all the schools that I was talking to. It was not even like, I wasn't really trying to like get too much attention. Like I wasn't, I wanted, I didn't want schools to know who else was recruiting me just so they would recruit me. If that makes any sense. I didn't want other people saying, Oh, this guy's recruiting. So I got to recruit him. I wanted people to genuinely be interested. Right. So I, I, I let out whatever, like a little bit uh, to Joe Tipton. He, he leaked a little bit of what, what I was saying, but I, I obviously I told him that's, that's okay and stuff like that. But um, yeah, for me, honestly, it, it, um, it didn't really matter what conference the school was in. Um, I just saw like what FAU did this year. I mean, they were obviously in a small conference and, you know, did some big things. So that allure of the playing the big 10 and the sec and you know the PAC 12 or any, any, really anything. It didn't really, for me, it, it wasn't, I, I didn't look at it like that. I went from the standpoint, okay, what community, what, what coaching staff, what, what kind of people around um, are going to help me become the best player that I can. And, you know, at the end of the day, like that was UMass, University of Massachusetts for me. I, I was literally going to get on a plane to Iowa and go visit the University of Iowa. And I, I called Coach Martin. I said, listen, man, I, I don't want to get on the plane. I, I want to commit to you. And he was like, what? <laughs> it's like, you know, he was so confused. I was like, no, I'm committing. He's like, you kidding? I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. So uh, we had a great talk. But for me, yeah, like it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't about the conference. Just, just real quick, Taylor, before you jump in here, I selfishly wish you were able to just chat with uh, Fran McCaffrey because you might be the only person to have stories from Fran McCaffrey and Frank Martin, and it would have been unreal. I feel like those two guys have some stories to tell. What a combo! Yeah, yeah. No, Coach McCaffrey is an, an amazing guy. Like he throughout the whole recruiting process, he also was another guy that was super upfront and honest with me the whole time, and. Um, you know, I, I was glad I got to talk to him and stuff like that. But yeah, no, he, he seemed like he had some great stories. He was, he's a really good dude. So if you if you pull back the, I don't want to say facade, but you know, obviously we're doing an interview here, right? And we're trying to get our best foot forward to sell UMass basketball, sell you, all that type of stuff. That's great, right? But do you ever sit back and think to yourself like, holy shit, I was a zero-star recruit that had two – D1 offers and I'm now the fucking player of the year in my conference I'm getting I'm getting a you know calls text phone you know all these coaches that I've watched my whole life personally do you ever take a second to sit back and be like wow what a what a cool journey this has been and look at what I have kind of made myself into do you ever do you ever allow yourself to kind of celebrate some of those successes 
A little bit. Um, for me, um, you know, I'm very faithful. Um, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like I'm, I'm very vocal about it. Like I'm, I try and be as quiet as possible about, you know, all the stuff, awards and different things like that. But for me, honestly, the work really didn't stop. I went right from the end of my season. I didn't like the kind of shape I was in. I felt like I was overweight. And I thought that, you know, for me, like I have done so many things that, you know, I was obviously average 22 a game and did all the things, but I didn't look the part. So people were very quick to say that these were my weaknesses. This is what I don't do well. So I decided now um, I've dropped like, I think it's four, I'm down to 14 pounds in a month and a half. Um, I cut like all fried food out of my diet, cut a lot of things out of my diet. Good for you, and, man. Good for you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and you know, now I want to, I want to be able to look the part and play the part. So uh, for me, I, I mean, that I'm always like challenging myself. Like I won the most improved player last year. And I like, so a bunch of my teams asked me like, Oh, like what's your goals for next year? I'm like, oh, I want to win player of the year. I'm trying, I'm going for that player of the year an NEC ring and going to the tournament. I was one game away from the NEC championship game, one game away from the, the tournament, obviously, because FDU went. Um, but I, I won the player of the year. So, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, there was a, it was a nice two days, but after that, I was right back to work. You see, this is the big difference between someone like you and someone like me. I'm drinking a beer, dropping the f bomb on on this podcast, and you're actually working towards something. So, yeah, all the all the props to you on that, man. Hey, there's two ways to skin a cat, right? You know, it's two two different ways, right? That's, that's very kind I, of you to say. That's Josh. what my mom always says. So, <laughs> now, well, first and foremost, uh, very impressive, but also uh, reveal yourself a little. What have you had to cut out? What are some of Josh Cohen's favorite foods where he's kind of had to bit, bite the bullet and say, "Damn, you know, I want to have pain in the discipline as opposed to pain in the disappointment." Yeah, no, for me, I mean, like, just like I, I love ice cream, just love ice cream, eating ice cream, watching movies, like. During the season, you can do that, but uh, yeah, like all like fried food, like anything, like uh, chicken. Oh, oh, chicken parm. I've been eating a chicken parm in like a month. It's like crushing me. Um, just any, anything really, like from an Italian place, like a pizza, anything. Like I just had to stay away from it. It's 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 unreal, but you know I'm I'm doing it. So yeah, credit to you. And I, I gotta say, UMass Amherst has some great pizza locations. So. Uh, I, know, I don't know, maybe, I know. maybe in the off season, just one or two. We'll what say, we'll say. Yeah. So you're, you're obviously working hard. You're doing everything that needs to be done to, to make yourself into the best player you can be. And I know you don't necessarily are, you know, looking for a single thing as it relates to, to your goals. Right. But what are your goals for the coming year at UMass? You know, is it to win the conference? Is it to win the national championship? Is it to be a NBA draft pick? Do you have, do you set, you know, what are the type of goals you set individually and personally? And has that changed from St. Francis now to going to UMass? Yeah. The thing for me, uh, like what everyone talks about, like the NBA and that's their goal and that's the dream. Um, you know, for me, like my dream has always been to play in March Madness. Like that for me is like the end all be all goal. And, um, you know, I could have, I could have entered the draft this year and got some workouts and, you know, worked out with five, six teams just because of how many points I averaged and, and what I did. But honestly, I didn't want to waste my time doing that because my end goal was to get to the tournament. So I, I want to get get on that ship at UMass, you know, win an eight ten championship, go to a tournament, win some games, and, um, you know, just bring bring it back to where it was, you know. So for me, uh, my, my one goal is to win the Atlantic 10. Like that's going to be when I walk in day one. That's, that's my goal. I, anything short of that's a, a failed season. 
That's awesome. Let me unpack that real briefly here, Josh. You said, get it back to where it was. And earlier in this episode, like I said, I may have dated myself, but it sounds like you have the wherewithal, you have the knowledge of where UMass Hoops was in the 90s and even before that. You got titans of the game like Marcus Camby, John Calipari, countless others. Even more recently, Chaz Williams, who who led them to an NCAA tournament berth, I think their last NCAA tournament berth. Even a guy like Derek Kellogg, uh, who's on a new coaching staff now. Congrats to him. Uh, where, where, do you, where do you end up going recently, Taylor? Do you know? Yeah, I went to Creighton. Creighton. Thank you, Josh. Um, can you speak a little bit to your knowledge and uh, you know your appreciation for UMass Hoops history and what you're looking to to build moving forward and how that those two might meld together? Yeah, I really try and don't live in in the in the past, right? Like that's my one thing. I never want to. That's what I try to do at St. Francis. Like, okay, there was a lot of past success, but what are we going to do right now? What can we do right now to to win games, right? So you gotta you gotta kind of do one of two things. I feel like, right? So the first thing I did was I talked to some people that had played on that that UMass team. Uh, one of them was this guy Carmella. I don't know if you guys see him on Twitter or anything like that. Um, I think I'm pronouncing this right, but um, I, I talked to him and he talked about kind of the culture that they had built to get there, right? You got to talk to those, those people who did it and went there and won, right? What were some of the ways that you did it? Like how, like, I can't, I can't speak on it cause I've never done it. I've never been to an NCAA tournament. So I got to ask someone else, how did you do it? Right. And then I got to do it my own way. The second thing with like talking about the past and people is you got to learn from past mistakes, right? You got to take what, what you did wrong last season, right. And UMass and one of their things was injuries and all those other things. And so there's some uncontrollables, but there's some controllables. One of them is you got to be, you know, the team's got to be together and there's, there's got to be some leadership. That's one thing I can bring to the table. I've been a leader for my team the last two years. I know what it takes. I'm going into that locker room day one. And I know, I know I, I'm not a big talker when I get to, when I get in, like on once I cross the basketball lines, like a little bit, but a lot of it's going to be a lead by example. So, um, you know, like you said, like bringing it back to prominence, bringing it back to where it was, like there's, a, there's some things that you could do to help, build the culture now that had happened in the past, but most, most of the time it's, it's, it's gotta be created from within because every team is different. There's no, we don't have Marcus can on our team. Like there's, there's no, you know what I mean? We got to kind of play a different style. So um, for me, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing what they did and, and, it, and it's honestly like, it's going to be great to be a part of that history, but we want to make some history ourselves. So J- Josh, just real quick. It doesn't seem like you're bashful at all as a transfer, a new face, trying to take that leadership position because for some people coming into a new scenario or new environment, they might be a little apprehensive of taking that. Doesn't sound like that to me with you, Josh. No, not at all. Not at all. I love that. That's what I, that's what, that's what I'm being, that's what I'm being being brought in to do. So uh, I'm going to do my job. So, so speaking of that then, so you, you committed, was it five days ago now, six days ago, something like that? Yeah, I think tomorrow's yeah. a week. Yeah, something week. like that, right? So, in terms of being a leader and adding to the team and and you know trying to push the ball forward here, do you instantly start recruiting in a way like other people from the transfer portal you might know, or maybe other players on the team that may have thought about leaving? Like, what do you have any personal role that you feel like you have to fulfill in terms of helping to build out this roster to what you guys want it to be? You know, I, I trust Coach Martin. He's going to do his thing. I got to worry about the players that are there. So whoever's there right now, obviously they know my phone's open and, and you know, all my uh, lines of communication are going to be open to them until I get there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm focused on the guys we got. I mean, Coach Martin's going to bring in some dudes, 
and we're going to go from there. I want to talk a little bit about the transfer portal. I know we let off with that, but it's a pretty polarizing topic, Josh, for guys like us who watch the sport, not guys who actually play it. What is the one maybe misconception or thing that you want to seriously highlight to those that are heavily critiquing players in the transfer portal? Personally, both me and Taylor, you guys are autonomous for your own future. All right. Do whatever the hell you want. I don't think it's bad for the sport at all. Um, but there are folks that do have that opinion, which I'm sure you've seen around. What are some things that you would like to peel, you know, take us behind the curtain and say, Hey, there's some things that you may not realize are going on in these athletes lives that are driving them to transfer. Well, I mean, that, that's pretty much, a, that's a pretty sensitive topic just because like you, you look at coaches, I mean, they could jump around all they want. We got coaches leaving, you know, uh, our staff and I wish coach Kellogg the past, like obviously he's, he's, he's doing better for himself. So and he has a family. So at the end of the day, he's got to do what's best for him and his family. Right. So why is it not the same for players? You know, you could like fan bases are all mad because their favorite players leave and stuff. Like, what did you do to keep them there? Were you there at every game? Were you supporting them? Um, and then for other players, it's like, okay, like, you know, they have families and they've put in the time and effort and committed like, like the, the questioning of loyalty is, is very puzzling to me because it's like, okay, like you're looking at it from one perspective point of view. Yeah, obviously you're not going to look at a guy as loyal if they leave your program. But at the same time, like you're not going to be mad. Like you wouldn't be mad at a guy who wasn't playing leaving the program. You'd be probably happy. So it's just – it's a pretty weird scenario. I had to deal with a little bit in Loretto. Um, Some people were really upset. But at the end of the day, like, um, you know, I told them, like it was some teammates and some people graduating with me. I'm like, well, you're graduating and going to another job. Like I don't – you know, you're not going to stay here for five, six years. Like, are you, you want to stay here for five, six years? Like what you're telling me the same thing. So what's going on with you? You know what I mean? So it was one of those things, but a lot, most of the people were very um, congratulatory, but yeah, the, the, the slander on the transfer portal is, is very puzzling to me, especially because you got to look at the age group of it. It's, it's 18 to 22 year olds. And sometimes there's some 23 and 24 year olds transferring, but look at just 18 to 22 year olds. I mean, those kids are making decisions to affect the rest of their lives. You know, there's, there's a lot on them, too. I, I know, you you know, these people are pretty upset at, at, at 18-year-olds. Some of them are kids. You know, like, I know at 18, I didn't make the greatest decisions ever. And if I had 300 fans mad at me on social media, I would even be more upset about it. So it's a pretty tough topic. But at the end of the day, you just hope that fans support people no matter what. Taylor and I are in our early 30s, man, and I cannot I don't fathom. Make, I didn't make such dumb decisions now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. I mean, you you feel like you got the adults in the room, and then you look around, and you're like, damn, I'm the adult, and I'm still making poor decisions. But, I mean, what, what I'm saying is, uh, right, you know, I, I don't understand how 30, 30-year-olds, these fans just get on these 18-year-old kids for making decisions that they think is in their best interest. It's, it's maddening to me, truly. Yeah, it's tough. But, you know, at the end of the day, what, what are you going to do? So I guess this isn't being devil's advocate. That's not exactly the way to put this. But do you think since the transfer portal is such a new thing, do you think that I don't have any perspective on it, obviously, because I've never been in it, not a college basketball player. But do you think that because it's a new thing that we're going to see more transfers in like, you know, last year, this year, next year, kind of the newness of it is, uh, you know, is kind of notable. Do you think just from your perspective that there's always going to be this uh this many transfers i know that it, every situation is different so i get that but do you think there's anything that comes with kind of the newness the newness of this opportunity for players that might push more people into it than what we might see in like 5 10 15 years 
honestly, it's it's going to slow down a little bit because you got to think about all those players. I'm one of the players right now that have that extra free COVID year. So guys are flying around. They're graduating. They're flying around. So there's going to be a little bit of, of slowing down a little bit. It might be by three, 400 players. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a, a mass exit of, exodus of players. Because you got to think, I could dra- grad transfer. So I grad transferred, you know, and I have an extra COVID year. So I have two years to play. You know, I'm, I have two years to play at UMass. So a lot of my teammates or a lot of my friends, like, they graduate, they transferred, and then they transferred again after that. So it, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, I, I did it once, and once is enough for me. But, um, yeah, you're going to see. It's going to be – unless the NCAA comes in and, and, and does something about it, it's going to be crazy like this for the rest of, rest of the time. So, Josh, you've been talking about how much you've been grinding already in the offseason. Did you catch the NCAA tournament? Are you one of those guys that unplugs from college basketball and only worries about yourself, or did you catch some of the tournament? I was able to catch a good amount of the tournament. Um, for me, like, I wasn't I, – I watch. I like watching the underdogs, obviously, because obviously like I, I've been an underdog my whole life, and I've been playing on the underdog team for my whole life. But, um, yeah, I was able to catch a lot of the tournament. All right, so this is great. You are actually leading me into this next question beautifully. Do you remember what happened this past February 23rd? February 23rd. You beat FDU by 10, my friend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did yeah. you foresee them beating Purdue? I mean, you so you played them three times this past year. You beat them by 10 once, and then they go and pull off arguably the greatest upset ever. Honestly, like... Uh, no, no. I, I would be lying if I was like, oh, yeah, I knew they were beating them. I'm like, no, I had no idea. I didn't turn on the game until the last five minutes of the game because it was so hard for me to watch because I was one game away from it. I was like, oh, my, I'm not doing this. And then I saw an alert on my phone, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking at a wrong score. And I look it up. I'm like, oh, my God, these dudes are going to beat them. And, like, you know, and then I saw a bunch of people on Twitter like, oh, they used the same thing they did on Josh Cohen to beat Edie. First of all, first of all, people don't understand I got a concussion in that last game. So the the first two, the first two, I had 26 and 31. I think I had 31. And the last game, I got knocked out of that game. So people are like, oh, you know, playing that card. But what FDU did against FDU, what FDU did against Purdue was absolutely unreal. And it was awesome to watch. I mean, it was an incredible run for them. They even gave a great battle to FAU in the next round. I mean, like, when, when you look back at those two games that FDU played, and even the the shellacking in Dayton that they put on Texas Southern, which I was actually there in person having no idea that Tobin Anderson's group was going to go on and, and win an NCAA tournament game. Did you say to yourself, did, did you ever look back at that February 23rd matchup and say, hey, here was the blueprint of, of beating this team? And did it ever also did – you, did you ever say to yourself, shoot, Merrimack should be here, you know, because of that old rule? The rule is stupid. I mean, it's it sucks, but it's the rule. Everyone's complaining about it, but it's the rule. So, I mean, they, you know, Merrimack, they had a great season. They won a good championship. Um, but they also, you know, in in kind of in retrospect, like they also had a pretty big advantage in the game. I mean, that team had celebrated and they had won. They are going to the NCAA tournament, right? So in their mindset, they don't got to beat you to go to the NCAA tournament. So you win a championship, and then you're sitting around for a week and a half saying that should have been me. First of all, they would have matched up completely different against FD, uh, Purdue than FDU did. FDU pressed, and they they did the things they need to do. They forced those freshman young guards to turn the ball over. Meanwhile, Merrimack sits back in a 2-3. 
So you can't really do that with a seven foot three guy in the middle or seven foot four, however big he is, you know? So, you know, to everyone, when I was talking to people, they're like, oh, it should have been Merrimack. could have beat them. I'm like, no, Merrimack couldn't have beat them. I said, after you beat them, you know, there's a lot that went into it. I love that you make that point because especially as it relates to like bubble teams, everyone's like, oh, well, they won the first game. So they should have been in. It's like, well, it's the NCAA tournament. Once you get into the tournament, it's all matchup based. It's all matchup based for, you know, for the most part. That's why we saw a nine, five, five and four seed in the final four. Right. So now that that aside, when you're watching the NCAA tournament. Oh, oh, sorry. When you're watching the NCAA tournament, what like do you have a rooting interest? Are you sitting there rooting for FDU? Are you rooting against FDU? I know that you said that you hadn't watched it, you know, until the last five minutes. But what is your rooting interest right like as a college basketball player from an you know if you're not in the tournament? Hundred percent rooting for FDU. Um, you know, it's good for the league. Um, good dudes. You know, I mean, they're. I bet if you asked any of those guys to jump on a, a an interview like this, they would do it. Like. They got a great coach. He's a good guy. He recruited me again at Iona. You know, um, yeah, 100% rooted for them. You, you can't not. Funny enough, Josh, I did reach out to Tobin Anderson via DM. Still waiting on that response. He wasn't as nice as you, man. Really? Yeah, he's not a uh, – I guess he's probably not a social media guy. Send him a text. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll send you his number. You could, you could give him a text. You're, you've already done way way more than that, man. You've been too kind. Uh, I just got a few more questions for you, Josh. If we look at your – past schedule as a matter of fact so we just talked about FTU uh, you also played Miami this past year down in Coral Gables a final four team Norchad O'Meara man that backcourt with Wong and Pack, a guy who I believe should be in the Hall of Fame Jim Laranega can you talk to us a little bit about that experience playing a top level eventual ACC champion and then looking at them as they graduated to a final four and you guys actually played pretty well against them yeah, I mean, obviously, when we played them, um, I walked away from that game knowing those dudes were super talented. They were going to go far this year. But, I mean, I mean, the athleticism they had all over the place was just overbearing. And I don't know how many teams that were going to be able to beat them. You know, I mean, they had no the big fellow in the middle, and they had great wings and, and great guard play. I mean, they had depth. Like, everyone in that tournament who went far had depth. So, um, those dudes just, they could compete. You know, nothing yeah. else you could say. I mean, like I said, Josh, I think it's really neat that you've had vantage points against FDU and Miami, two of the coolest stories of the NCAA tournament. Like I said, we're fingers crossed for UMass to get back there so we can see you and you create your own story there, Josh. But I'm going to get you out of here on some quick hitters, all right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Toughest environment you've played in? Damn, they're going to use this against me, but uh, uh, St. Bonaventure. Bonnie's. I won't. I won't put. I won't put that out. All right, man. I know you're all about right. to, they, uh, they, to enter there. They're gonna. No, you can put it out. You can do whatever. They're, they're gonna be heckling me no matter what. So you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not worried. When? Uh, when did you play St. Bonaventures? First game of the year. Oh, okay. It, w- yeah. What made the crowd? What made the crowd so crazy? I mean, I was. Like, I was hoping. I was hoping, <laughs> and they were all over me. But you know, I'll be back there. Yeah, I mean, are they like swearing at you, or are they? Are they? No, they're serious? they're crazy. They're crazy. They're throwing out my sister's name. They're throwing out everybody. I'm like, okay, let's go. Come on, come on. I just I uh, now I got now I got some different horses, so we'll yeah. be ready for that game. I love it. I'll tell you what, this might be the same sort of a similar in vain question. Uh, what's the A10 arena you're most excited to play in? We can eliminate the Bonnies, but what is the A10 arena you are most thrilled to play in? 
I mean, I haven't really played in a ton of Atlantic 10 arenas. Um, but anything on paper or on TV? I th- that I, I, probably one would be um, Fordham. Just because I have a good amount of friends who go to Fordham and uh, to play back in New York City like would be awesome. Like I'll have a ton of family there. So I'd probably say Fordham. I want to throw one in the ring as well, UD Arena. I love that arena, man. I don't know how what it's like as a player, but as a fan, it's a blast. It's cool. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to play in UMass Arena. It's huge. It's nice. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm excited to play there too. So For sure. Uh, if you could change one rule in college hoops, what would it be? Well, one rule. Um, probably take away this. Uh, there's so much power in the ref's whistle these days. It's crazy with the flops. And Brother, I, don't I, would, I know. I would probably say, like, take away one rule. Probably the, um, probably say the flopping rule because, like, they take that flopping rule. They apply it to offense. Like, if you're an offensive player, like, I got that a lot. Guys are thinking I was flopping. But I was getting whacked. You know what I mean? You can't – you got to call something, you know? You can't just say, oh, I'm flopping. It's a very big out for a referee. So, I would say probably the flopping rule. Here's what we'll do. Us three plus Coach Martin, we're going to form a committee, and we're going to try and get that changed. All right, Josh? That sounds awesome. Sounds All awesome. Right. I'm sure he'll be right at that. Um, This one comes directly from a UMass fan uh, And it relates to your Twitter bio He's asking when are you going to put UMass In your Twitter bio I'll do it right after that That's the thing People were like clicking on my page And I didn't even Because everything had happened so fast I didn't get a chance to do all that stuff Because I was answering so many phone calls From so many people And I was like and then I had people like, why are you, well, you're still, you're not a red flash anymore. Why is it in your bio? I'm like, oh, okay, go change it. You know what I mean? Like for me, that's the last thing I was thinking of. So yeah, I'll go and change that for them. Hey, that's, that's via them. All right. I got no issues with whatever, however you want to handle your Twitter. Uh, but Josh, this has been amazing. My last question that I ask all of our guests, uh, we have this segment called bring them up on stage and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Uh, but again, it's what I ask all of our guests. Who is someone that you think would enjoy coming on to theater and college hoops and sharing some stories like you. It can be another player, any coach, uh, anyone in the media, anyone related to college basketball that you might think could, uh, could enjoy coming on here and I can reach out to. Um, honestly, like you could reach out to any of my uh, UMass teammates. I know like Matt cross, you know, I'm going to put, I'm going to put Matt cross. I'm going to put him on spot. I'm going to put him on the spot. He's uh I'll put him on or I could put you know what I'll put I'll put someone better Luke Ruggery, he uh, he was TikTok famous he's still TikTok famous, um, he's an awesome kid and had a really great experience two year captain uh, he'd be a great guy to talk to. I love it. We'll we'll call it the summer of uh, spring or summer of UMass Josh. Like I said, I know you're busy, but this has been amazing. Best of luck to you uh, at UMass. We are going to be watching you and rooting you on. Thank you for spending some time, man. Guys, thank you for having me on. Uh, hopefully, you know, uh, we could talk again. And, you know, whenever you guys need any content, you let me know. And uh, uh, maybe, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do this from the A-10 championship room. I'll have my trophy right here, just like this. I got my neck cut like this, talking to you guys. We'll do, we'll do one of those. Maybe it has to be five minutes or so. So we'll try and figure it out. Damn it, you stole my line. That's what I was going to ask, man. So, yeah, good. I'm glad we're all on the same page, brother. Josh, Josh, I foresee uh, some heavier hitters in media coming at you, but give us the first minute or two, all right, and then we'll hand you off to the real big guys, all right? I got you guys. No problem. You guys got the first minute. No problem. You were here first. 
All right. Want to thank Josh again for jumping onto the program. That was a lot of fun. Taylor, any pits uh, or peaks, I should say, what were, what were some of the peaks from that interview? No pits at all from my end. No pits. Um, well, I really liked his discussion about how uh, Frank Martin, friend of the program, Frank Martin, let's reiterate that, um, said, hey, nothing's given to you. Right. Like, I don't care that you're the top 10 scorer in the country. I don't care that you're the conference player of the year. You're going to have an opportunity to succeed here, but you still have to succeed. And then on top of that, I like how Josh has already five, six days into the process, week into the process, has said, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I've cut out ice cream for a month. I've cut, you know, like I'm, I'm ready to fly. And I think, even though he didn't say it out loud, I think, you know, I think he's knowing are really cognizant of the opportunity that he has at UMass under a coach like Frank Martin that you can already tell and why I'm so confident in, in saying that everyone's going to know him next year is, or, or, you know, throughout the year is, is just, he is, he knows, I think he's aware of, he's got a year or two left in college basketball. He's already performed at a high level and this is his opportunity to shine. And, and I think he's going to take full advantage of that. Yeah, looking forward to him doing that. I think my favorite part of the interview was, how am I going to describe this? When I asked him about UMass's rich tradition when it came to basketball, he basically said, look, I acknowledge those guys are there, but we're trying to build something new. And I think a lot of times when we talk to players, we talk to coaches, they get wrapped up in this history of what they think their program should be. And that sometimes works both ways, right? Sometimes you get so paralyzed in how great of a program you are historically that even a pretty good season, you kind of think to yourself, well, this is a complete failure. Only one team can win the national title, but there's programs like that. There's also programs that look back historically and they, they genuinely do underachieve like Carolina this year, you cannot be a Carolina Tar Heel, be the number one seed coming in, and then completely miss the tournament. That's an underachieving season, right? But but when talking about the likes of Camby and Chaz Williams and John Calipari and, and some of the strong traditional players that have come through, we talked a little bit about Derek Kellogg there, UMass. Um, you know, Josh, I think, was very respectful and honoring the past, but he said, look, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I want to build something back up. I want to build my own culture. And I thought it was also interesting that he spoke to members of their last tournament team. Very neat stuff. Um, but Josh Cohen, what a great interview. It was a perfect way to kick off the offseason. Taylor, let's go ahead and get on out of here just on a real quick note. Uh, there's a mountain school rivalry and the Pac-12 being ignited in the NBA. Have you seen Kyle Kuzma of Utah and Spencer Dinwiddie of Colorado beefing? Yeah. Uh, Dinwiddie, did he, he quoted Draymond today, I believe, in making fun of Kuz. Talk about just low-level, like, bullshit. <laughs> like... Like D-list actors throwing gives, shit at each like other. Like, who gives a shit about this? These folks, yeah, right, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, it's certainly it's good. It's great entertainment for the play-in week of the playoffs. Let's put it that way. Um, yes, I have seen the beef though. Um, it's ah, what's the undercooked? This beef is, I, th- I think, just given the given the characters involved. Yeah, and the timing. I think you're right. It's just funny. It's funny that Kyle Kuzma is going on in a six-tweet thread calling out Spencer Dinwiddie, a man who's 
been to a Western Conference Finals. Now Kyle Kuzma is an NBA champion. Might want to put a shiny little asterisk next to that because it was in the bubble. But I thought it was also funny that Kuzma was calling out Spencer Dinwiddie on the first half season success of the Nets being driven by Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That, that, that piece of hardware on your finger, Mr. Kuzma, I think is heavily driven and uh, influenced by two players of one, Mr. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I, I don't know if I'd be going there in terms of saying, hey, thank these other superstars for your success. It is it, it's just funny. And, uh, you know, I was trying to find some sort of way to tie it in here, Taylor. You know, these are kind of the doldrums. And that's why we're so fortunate to have Josh on to talk through all of his actually interesting stories. But after that, I'm over here saying to myself, and we're going to get to transfers. I know that's very important. We're going to get to transfers uh, and, and coaching changes, things of that nature. But I thought this was funny in a light way of getting out of here. And then I realized both of these guys went to a quote unquote rival in the Pac-12, right? Utah, Colorado. I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch. Well, and look at that roster uh, on that Lakers roster that won the title. I know we call it a Mickey Mouse title. But their roster is so much better, uh, or their roster in that year was so much better than it was this year, uh, or is this year, and it doesn't that doesn't even have to include Kuzma e- e- either, like Caruso, KCP, Quinn Cook, De- uh, a still decent like Demarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, TH. Demarcus Dwight Cousins Howard, is an Blood. NBA champion. He was on that Lakers team. Yeah, like, like Rajon Rondo, Dennis Schroeder, J.R. Smith, Deion Wade. It's like, okay, dude, you had like a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of like first-round draft picks. and other, Like, Kuz played well that year, don't get me wrong, but we're not exactly like – he shouldn't be phrasing him or, you know, framing himself as like the key cog in an NBA championship team when he was like one of the 11, 10 equally talented players behind LeBron and Anthony Davis. It's unbelievable, man. And I'm not and I'm not a guy to give Anthony Davis any flowers either, but I'm just saying that like oh. he you, you know the like top that 75 is guy, isn't he? Or, or or do we do we have a beef because Anthony Davis is not a top 75 guy? He is, right? I just don't like I just don't love Anthony Davis. No, 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 no. I, 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 fine, fine. But like yeah. his accolades, when you say you're not giving Oh him no, flowers, he's amazing. He's, he's still, still amazing. He's still amazing. Yeah. I'm just not a guy that's gonna prop him up. Just because of yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying. I, I I just think yeah, you're 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 right on right on base there. Thinking that's kind of a hilarious comment. You're like yeah, the whole you're, back. You're so dumb. You were the we weren't the best player on the team with LeBron. It's like dog. Neither were you. <laughs> yeah, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. All right, let's go ahead. Get on out of here, Taylor. Josh, if you're listening, thank you again for uh, jumping on, spending some time. Again, we're, we're UMass guys. I cannot wait to see what they're building in year two under Frank Martin. Hopefully we see them uh, in the in the postseason uh, NCAA tournament. We'll see how they do in the A-10 tournament, That which is very, very far away. I'm still settling into the offseason, but it's time for me. And again, sorry, Josh, to uh, – I think I want to go get some chicken parm, some ice cream, some fried food, and just listen to this episode. Uh, So we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.